You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wow, well, allow me to extend my welcome to all of you that are joining uh, from your homes, wherever you may be today online. Welcome and happy Easter to you. There is an ancient greeting that you probably have heard somewhere. It's based on the verse in Luke chapter 24, verse 34, where the travelers from the road to Emmaus, they, they understand that it's Jesus as he breaks the bread in front of them and he's taken from them and they run all the way back from where they've come to Jerusalem and they find the disciples and they say, it's true, he's risen. And out of that phrase, there's, there's this greeting called the Paschal Greeting which is, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. And, and I say Christ is risen, and you say he is risen indeed. Let's try that in the room. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's try it at home and in the room. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. One more time, lift your voice. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, a very happy Easter also to any of our young people and kids especially. And if now is the moment in the service where you sometimes draw a praise picture, it would be awesome if you could capture something of, of the empty tomb. The, the tomb where Jesus was laid was like a big hole cut out in a rock and a stone had been rolled in front of it, but the stone was rolled away and Jesus was no longer there. The clothes, the grave clothes he'd been wrapped in, his body had been wrapped in, were folded up and inside, but he had gone because he's alive. Well, I'm going to begin with three scriptures here today. Firstly, Luke 24, the start of that chapter. I love this account. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices that they'd prepared and went to the tomb. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine the preparation? Can you imagine the drama and the mourning and the sadness? But the Bible says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Romans chapter 6 verse 9 says, for we know. Can we say we know? For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And thirdly, why don't we turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 7. Allow me to tee this verse up for us. It's an incredible chapter speaking about the priesthood, speaking about how God in his passion for his people had created a system and a structure, a process by which sins could be forgiven that, that involved sacrifices and offerings and priests. And the priests were from the tribe of Levi and all the priests were there and they were appointed because of their ancestry. But in the Old Testament, there is another priest, one that precedes the law, one that actually appeared to Abraham and his name is Melchizedek. And the Bible tells us that Melchizedek had no beginning and had no end. He, he was outside of time. He was eternal. And he was the priest of God. And he blessed the father of Israel, Abraham. 
And Abraham gave him a tithe of everything that he had. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus, who grew up in the house of Joseph, who to that end was, was aligned to the tribe of Judah, he was not a Levite according to his ancestry, but he is a priest according to another reason. He is a priest of the order of Melchizedek because he has no beginning and he has no end. And the Bible says this, the basis for Jesus' priesthood. Chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 16, said Jesus has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. I wonder if we can say that together. But on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Where you are at home, I want to speak it out. On the basis of the power of an indestructible life. If you want a title for today's message, it is this, indestructible indestructible. The word in the Greek that is here in the book of Hebrews is translated indestructible. It literally means cannot be destroyed, cannot be stopped. If you're familiar with the King James Version, you'll know the power of an endless life. The word means indestructible, but of course an indestructible life is an endless life. If a team was indestructible, you might call them unbeatable. If if a ship was indestructible like they said the Titanic was, and maybe like the Ever Given, then, then you'd say it was unsinkable. Although recently the Ever Given was almost uh, immovable. I once made a cake that was indestructible, and we called it inedible. <laughs> when Esther and myself got married, we, well, this was back in the day, we'd been married over 20 years, and, and in those days, if people wanted to bring you a gift to your wedding, they, they didn't kind of go online and then that store would hold it for you or deliver it. You literally, you might put a, a wedding list out there for people who wanted to buy you something, but then the guests would actually go to a shop and buy the gift and wrap it up and bring it with them to the wedding. Give me a wave if you remember those days of actually bringing an actual gift. And what happened was at the end of our wedding, I remember we went off on honeymoon and I don't know if it was my best man or my dad, I can't remember, but somebody brought all the presents back to our home, a little house that we were renting as our first year of marriage. I remember we got back from honeymoon. It was like Christmas times 10. The lounge was filled with all of these things. We were just starting out on married life. So we'd put some things that we really needed like plates and, and bed sheets and things like that. And I remember opening up some of those gifts. And, oh, thank goodness we can eat tonight. There were some other things that, that I remember opening up. And I can't even remember asking for this. It's an egg whisk. Of course we need that. But some people had gone off-piste. And, and they just decided, never mind the list, I'm going to buy them something. And we opened up this thing, and it said, unbreakable glasses. And it was this set of unbreakable glasses, invincible, indestructible glasses. And I remember saying, Esther, wow, check this out, unbreakable glasses. And I dropped one on the table to prove the unbreakableness, and it shattered into 17 pieces. But Jesus' life, the Bible says, his life is indestructible. His life is indestructible, it's endless. I want us to understand today that he didn't just get back out of the grave. It's, he lives in the power of an indestructible life. His life can never be disrupted or destroyed. Some of us we will have seen in movies where, where a hero or a villain, sometimes you think they're dead and then they come back to life. You have to be careful with movies and spoiler alerts, but I think I'm fairly safe with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is 20 years old now. Don't Google that. It is 2001. And... Um, 
And some of you will know, you'll have seen it, where Gandalf fights the bell rock in the mines of Moria. And that famous line says, you shall not pass. But of course, although the bell rock doesn't pass, it pulls him down to his death. And he's gone. And that's it. And his, his crew are mourning his, his passing. And yet a few days later, he appears again as Gandalf the White. But I want to tell you, Jesus isn't fiction. And his resurrection is unlike all other resurrections that went before. I'm talking about Lazarus and the, the widow of Nain's son and Jairus' daughter. You see, they were raised to life. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing a resurrection. I mean, a resurrection is in the Premier League of Miracles, right? I know there are, there are, I mean, it's wonderful when God answers any prayer. Some of you pray for a parking space and then, you know, it comes. Say, praise the Lord, it's a miracle. Well, it's been quite easy actually in the last year, hasn't it, get a parking space. Maybe you were praying last year for toilet rolls and they appeared on the shelf. But there were different miracles. There are miracles of blind eyes being opened, of, of deaf ears being unstopped. But a resurrection from the dead, I'm not belittling, it's, it's in the Premier League of Miracles. I've asked God to, to witness, to be present at somebody being raised from the dead before I go to be with him. But Jesus is different because Lazarus died again. He was raised and he lived some more years, but then he died again. As did Jairus' daughter, as did the Shunammite son, as did all those who were raised. They, they lived for a season, they lived for a time, but then they died again. Can you imagine when Lazarus died again? You think they'd kind of said, let's leave it a few days to see what happens. This guy's got track record. But when Jesus was raised, he was raised forever and he lives forever in the power of an indestructible life. He cannot die again. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? And the, the verse in Romans we read says, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any mastery over him. He cannot die. And this is what it means. It means nothing and no one from any age, from any sphere, any realm, any dominion can do anything to limit or diminish this life that Jesus lives. He alone lives it in its fullness. And it will go from strength to strength. And what it means also is those of us that are in Christ, those of us that have any association with this indestructible life, everything has changed because it means we are in Him and we are in the life that can never be destroyed. The life that Jesus lives is an indestructible life. What does it mean for us? What is the impact? What is the significance of his indestructible life? Well, my first thought is, number one, death is defeated. It means that death has been defeated, that death no longer has its power. Death, where is your sting? Revelation chapter one, Jesus appears to John at Patmos and he says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead but behold, I love that word, behold, I am alive forevermore. And he says, I have the keys to death and hell. I've gone and got the keys. I've got them. Death has been defeated. The prophecy in Isaiah 25 says, he will swallow up death forever and wipe every tear from all faces. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, Our Savior Jesus Christ has destroyed death. Can we say that together? Destroyed death. Our Savior Jesus has destroyed 
death. How do you destroy death? By raising from the dead in the power of an indestructible life and brought life and light through the gospel. Death could not hold him down. In my office, I have a quote that comes from a picture of an empty cross, and it says this, Let it be known, the one who hung here is the top reigning, title-holding, all-time, undisputed, death-defeating, overcoming, worldwide, champion of all things, king of kings, lord of lords, bow now or bow later. 1 John 5, verse 12 says, He who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. What a powerful thought. He who has the Son has life. What does it mean? It means that if we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, a a phrase that is found 75 times in the New Testament, if we are in Christ, we are in the one who lives in the power of an indestructible life. That means if I'm in him, I am in an indestructible life. That means that when this mortal body gives way, as it will in time, and I am laid to rest in the ground if Jesus doesn't come first, and and this body is finished, but the real me, my spirit and my soul, we will pass through death and don't diminish the power of death because we, we, we will be transformed through the process of going through death, but we will continue into eternal life because we are in Christ and he who has the Son who lives in the power of an indestructible life are in that indestructible life. But if we're not in Christ, how can we be in eternal life? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Death has been defeated. I can remember taking a funeral and the coffin being laid into the ground and the family and the close friends grieving and a a brother speaking through, through tears and in a choked voice crying out saying, my brother, I will see you in the morning. I will see you on the other side. Because this is the hope. Because he wasn't there. He's with Jesus, who lives in the power of an indestructible life. The second significant thought, the impact of an indestructible life, is that sin is overcome. Sin is overcome. Of course, sin and death are intrinsically linked. It's the dealing with my sin that opens the door to eternal life. We could say so much about the cross here. 1 Peter 2, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. For a moment, we, let's consider this idea in Hebrews 7 that we touched on. You see, the, the writer is explaining the old way, the Levitical way of doing things. You see, God in his mercy created a system where his people could be healed and forgiven for their sins. But the problem was the priests kept dying and more priests had to come and the sacrifice was made, but it only dealt for sins past. And so you're okay on the day of atonement, but if you go home and do something wrong, you're in trouble because you need another sacrifice. But because Jesus lives in the power of an indestructible life, and he is both priest and the sacrifice, it means the sacrifice and the priest are live. They're living and they lie. They are live, which means the power of the cross is ever-present, an ever-present reality. We can call out on God for mercy, and it is there. This microphone I'm speaking on is powered by batteries and the batteries will last only so long and then they will have to be taken out and thrown away and replaced. It's like the the Levitical priesthood. 
But the keyboard over here, it runs on live electricity that runs and runs. And if Tamsin was to say she could play and play and play and play and play forever because it will not stop because it is live. And Jesus is live and he is priest and he is the sacrifice. He's not only dealt with our sins, he's dealt with our sin and deals with our sin. Romans 8, 2, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I need to keep moving. Thirdly, his indestructible life means victory is assured. Victory is assured. The cross and the resurrection were and are the greatest victory ever won. Never mind any election, uh, beyond any, any war, any sports event. Any fight for justice and legislation, the greatest victory ever known. The victory of Jesus that he won for all humanity. Hebrews 2.14, Jesus has broken the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. He has broken the power of him. Colossians 2, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Yes, it says cross, but we cannot separate the cross from the tomb, the crucifixion from the resurrection. This is the resurrection of the one who was crucified and the crucifixion of the one who was raised. And it is through the victory of Jesus on the cross and in conquering the grave that a public spectacle has been made over the powers and authorities of the enemy. My friend, I want to tell you today, if you are up against it, then God is with you. The enemy might be throwing a lot of stuff your way. You, you could be battling sickness. You could be facing accusu, accusation. You could be enduring trials and tribulations. But you are on the winning side. You will come through if you remain in him because he is the victorious one. If God be for us, who can be against us? One of the greatest sermons ever preached by S.M. Lockridge put it like this. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. He said this is Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's sleeping. Judas is betraying, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary is crying Peter is denying, but they don't know the Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scarlet. They crown him with thorns. But what they don't know is Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, his spirit burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. And Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. Evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nail my Savior's hands to the cross. They nail my Savior's feet to the cross, and they raise him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by the Father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won. 
Sin has conquered and Satan's laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried and a soldier stands guard and a rock is rolled into place. It's Friday. But I want to tell you, my friends, Sunday's coming. You might be going through a dark valley right now. I want to tell you, Sunday's coming. Another day is coming. The Bible tells us no weapon forged against you will prosper. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Whatever we might face, whatever trials and tribulations and opposition in this life, I want to tell you the significance of Jesus living in the power of an indestructible life is victory is assured. And sooner or later, we will come through and reign with him. Fourthly, power is available. Paul prays that we might know, that we might know, a knowing that surpasses knowledge, not in our heads, but in our hearts, that we might know that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. My friends, church, this is why we must be active. It's why we must pray for the sick. It's why we must reach out and believe for miracles. Because power is available. This indestructible life, the same power lives in us. And finally, when the band come and join me, hope is eternal. Hope is at hand. Where we started our service, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's just pause for a moment. He has given us new birth into a living hope. My friends, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. The truth is, if our hope is in people, sooner or later, we're likely to be let down. If our hope is in the earthly things of career or substance of finance, these things can work for a while, but then they can fall away. There's really no hope, and we can't take any of that with us when we go. If we're among those who live for the weekend or live to get away for a, uh, a summer holiday, then we know even in the last year, not those, even those things are assured. But my friends, my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in the one who lives in the power of an indestructible life. Hebrews 6 says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Let me say that again. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. My friends, this, this is an anchor. This is what secures us. Firm and secure, the Bible says. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where the forerunner, our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. My friends, our hope is anchored. And that anchor holds within the veil. It holds beyond what I can see with my literal eye because it holds in the person and it holds in His promise. It holds in the one who lives in the power of an indestructible life. It holds in the one who has gone behind the curtain into the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, the place of the divine presence, the place, the place where I could never have gone myself. But because my hope is found in Him, my anchor is in Him, then my hope is in the curtain. My hope is beyond. My hope is in the inner place. My hope is in eternity. My hope is with God. 
And that promise is for today. And it's for tomorrow. And it's for eternity. And whatever may come, or whatever may go, whatever trials and tribulations, whatever turbulence, whatever storms, whatever obstacles, our anchor holds within the veil because it holds in the one who lives in the power of an indestructible life. And I thank God for this life and its joys and its wonders. I thank God for the blessings around my life and the thousands of things I have to be grateful for. But my hope is not here. It's not here. It's with Jesus, the one who lives forever in the power of an indestructible life. So my friends, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For he lives forever in the power of an indestructible life. Let's worship him.